Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're very excited to have a guest on our show. Their name's Ali Kay, and they're joining us as we talk about the 1958 novel Marianne Dreams and the 1990 film that's based on it, Paper House. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Adam and hi Ali. Hello. Uh, Hello. Our first guest ever on the podcast. <laughs> oh, um, we're going up into the proper leagues. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this is also our tenth episode, unless I've wildly miscounted. Let's say it is to make it sound even yeah. more legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think this is a pretty good one to to join us on because I thought this was pretty great. Um, <laughs> oh. I, Um, so it's the book is Marianne Dreams by Catherine Storr and the film is Paper House yeah um, so you suggested this one Adam like where did you how did you come across it oh heaven knows Um, (laughs) I have a real fondness for curious 1980s films that don't easily fit into any obvious genre designation mm-hmm. and like 80s films that you can't tell whether they're marketed really for children or adults um so i guess yeah. but how i you know I, I may literally have looked up you know 80s films probably inappropriate for children <laughs> <laughs> when did you first watch it uh, i watched it uh, i was in i was in exeter so I think I watched about five years ago. Okay, so not as a child. No, not as not as a child. Um, but I really can't remember at all how I came <laughs> across it. I mean, I I might have looked up films similar in tone, like you know, if you liked Return to Oz, you'll like. Yeah. Kind of list, I think. That makes sense. Yeah. And had you heard of the book? No, no, I'd never heard okay. of the book. In fact, watching the film, I didn't know it was based on the book, and it was only. Um, when I looked up the film that I learned, it was based on a book. Mm. Loosely. Yeah, loosely, loosely uh, based, inspired by the book. Yeah. Riffing on the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, well, there's quite a, there's quite a big uh, time difference between when the book was published and when the film was made. So there's uh, some updates to bring it into the 80s. Um, oh, yeah, yeah such, 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 such as uh, awesome guitar feedback. Yeah. On, on the soundtrack. For yeah, the film thing. was a better soundtrack. <laughs> oh, the film. <laughs> yeah, the film was a great soundtrack. Um, so I'll just do a summary of the book. Um, so in uh, Marianne Dreams, ten-year-old uh, Marianne falls ill on her birthday with a mysterious illness and is confined to bed for weeks on end. 
Uh, as she is convalescing, she finds a pencil and begins to draw a house, only to find that when she dreams that night, she's in the world of the drawing, and as she adds to the drawing in her waking life, these elements appear in her dreams. Uh, she draws a face in the window of the house, and when she goes into a dream, there's a boy there named Mark. It turns out that he's a real person who's being taught by the same tutor as her, and he can't walk because he's suffered from polio. Um, so there's a kind of sense of unease and danger about the house she's drawn uh, right from the beginning, and this only increases when, um, in a fit of anger, Marianne scribbles bars across the windows and adds in a number of standing stones in the garden, um, each with one large eye. Um, the rest of the novel sort of goes back and forth between the real world and the dream world, um, in which it becomes increasingly urgent that Mark get stronger so that they can escape from this house um, to uh, the lighthouse on the hill. Um, yeah, and Paper House is a, as we said, a sort of relatively loose adaptation, um, with the kind of major difference being a prominent storyline about the main character's family. And the main character is called Anna in the film. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, um well, one thing that, Ali, you pointed out watching the film was that uh, the laws of cause and effect don't really apply in the way that, that the book's very much a sequential narrative. Yeah, I mean, it. I felt like one of the things about what that I really liked about the book was that it was quite tightly structured, um, sort mm -hmm. of there's quite a logical... Um, progression um, between the different dreams and then she draws something else and then um, like as a consequence of that dream um, and then there's another dream and the consequences of what she's just drawn are kind of revealed um, mm -hmm. the film uh, doesn't it films pretty erratic um, I feel like in terms of how her drawing is kind of motivated sure so in the book it's much more based around problem solving yeah. Right, or creating objects that Mark might like or may help help Mark in the house. Whereas, yeah. in, in the in the film, uh, you know, she draws the house, and then the next time we see her draw, she just draws a whole plethora of objects, and yeah. there's not much rhyme or reason, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then sort of right at the end, that's the kind of the dream and the and the real world are sort of completely blurred in the film. Yeah, um, because she ends up finding a note from Mark at the real the real lighthouse. Yeah. Um that he's he's gone off to write in the dream. So yeah, it's definitely a lot uh a lot less um demarcated between the real world and the dream world and how they relate, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or I felt that in the film the dream world or the world of the paper house is more of an internal space mm -hmm. where it felt more like a um, psychological space than a, a tangible space perhaps yeah mm. I think in the book it's well I mean it, you never really know for sure but the dream world is definitely treated as being real in terms of the narrative um, mm -hmm. whereas in the film yeah it seems a lot the film seemed to make more sense, at least, if you read it as being 
um, fever dreams. Yeah, fever dreams. And the illness is much more linked to the dreams. Um, in the book, she gets ill, and as a consequence of that, she finds the pencil and starts drawing. Um, but it's yeah. not the actual worst part of her illness is before that, and it doesn't seem like the reason that she's having these dreams um, is because she's ill. Whereas in the film, that definitely seems to be the case. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. That in the in the book, you get the sense that she's on the long road to recovery, as it were, and that the worst of it is almost the boredom. And so the drawing and the grid become a kind of respite yeah. from the daily boredom. Whereas in the film, I think it's more that she's got that kind of heady out of it. Yeah. Yeah, thing going on because because she's feverish. And so, yeah, it's... it's and in the book, the dreams are definitely... Well, the, the existence of the house um, is definitely caused by the pencil, specifically. Like it's tied yeah. to this particular pencil which she finds in her grandmother's workbox. Um, there's no suggestion of that in in the film at all. It's she just draws stuff. And well, it starts with her drawing, but yeah, you don't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, see she does draw, but there's no in, in and she does use the same pencil as far as you can tell for everything, but it's not really emphasised as being an important object. No, there's no um, focus on the pencil as a magical object. Yeah. Whereas in the book, like you know, it's always capitalised. <laughs> the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to. So, like in the film, like right at the beginning, where um, Anna's drawing, um, there's some very ominous music. <laughs> yeah. Um, happening <laughs> um, to to let you know that this is not going to go particularly well um but um shall we talk about sort of when it starts to get actually creepy it doesn't take all that long um yeah well i mean the music you have i mean it's got a really Hans zimmer uh seems to have been somewhat responsible for the soundtrack interestingly um but it is very odd it moves between sort of discordant 80s synth pop yeah to like almost operatic yeah music at times mm. um and then bits of odd guitar feedback and, and and also parts where sounds that we would later associate right with the diegetic world of the film being used far earlier so yeah. the sound of helicopters yeah. for instance the helicopter sound comes really early and I was like well they're putting the helicopter in now <laughs> but, ah, but yeah um, that's interesting there was there was no helicopter it was just the sound of the helicopter yeah. um, mm. so, so when, when did it start getting creepy for you Ren? Um, well I think the um, in the book there's sort of the I mean it's sort of it's all, it's kind of immediately creepy sort of from the first time she goes to in the dream to the house and it's just this kind of sort of flat looking house Mm. on this absolutely deserted plain because she hasn't drawn anything else and there's sort of the wind whipping through the the grass and um and it definitely has a a pretty eerie atmosphere from the beginning um but i think the bit where it accelerates is when she gets angry um she has an argument with Mark, who um, 
I think it's because he doesn't believe that she's changing and creating the the house in her um, through her dreams. Yeah, um, I think Paul Mark is struck with some existential anxiety. To be honest, <laughs> it, yeah. it re- reminded me a lot of in um, I think it's Alice through the Looking Glass rather than Wonderland, uh, where Alice is informed by one of the other characters that she's just a figment in uh, oh, yeah. the, the the dreams the white of queens. yeah or, or, or the white kings possibly no maybe it's the white queens yeah um the, the anyway uh, the sleeping monarch's dreams <laughs> yeah. and you know alice is very upset by this obviously and protests yeah. that she that's not true and uh, so mark seems equally upset by the idea that you might just be a character uh, in marianne's dreams yeah understandably because also he can't remember um the real world when he's in the dream world um he sort of maybe knows some things about it whereas marianne well she can't remember to start with i think maybe or she doesn't seem to remember um until yeah she knows she knows there's an outside that that she seems to recognize that she is somewhere else but she can't quite remember what that other world is so she seems to know more than mark but but yeah, isn't like completely aware she's in a dream. Yeah, except in in the film where she knows straight away. But yes. yeah, in talking about the book. So but got, so you were you were saying about the bit where she gets angry. Yeah, so I've got the the extract here. Um, so it says she scribbled viciously over the face in her picture and felt as if it really was Mark she was destroying. The house had begun to look like a prison now, with thick cross lines like bars over the window, and Marianne took an evil pleasure in heightening the resemblance. She made the fence around the sad little garden thicker and higher, so that it enclosed the house like a wall around a prison. Outside it were the great stones and boulders she had drawn before, reminding her of jailers. They should watch Mark, she thought, with angry satisfaction, keeping him prisoner under constant surveillance. Marianne drew in more stones, a ring of them, around the, around the fence. To each she gave a single eye. If he tried to get out of the house now, they would see, Marianne thought. They watch him all the time, everything he does. They will never let him out. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it turns out that she's actually used a different ordinary pencil to scribble over Mark's face. Um which is fortunate um, which is for- yeah which yeah. is fortunate <laughs> um, because uh <laughs> which is, is is quite uh it's a pretty horrifying idea that is then returned to in the film <laughs> um in yeah. um, oh yes the the father with the scribbled through eyes <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> god um <laughs> this film like this is proper scared me this whole sequence. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it would have scared me if I'd been watching it on my own. <laughs> did you did you watch it on your own or did you watch it with someone? Um, I watched it on my own. Um, I mean, Mackie was in the room and occasionally heard me yelping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, in. Um, in Paper House, um, it's sort of a, a similar setup. Um, Anna draws her father and then decides she's drawn him wrong. 
and um, scribbles his face out. So this then leads to this like incredibly threatening sequence in which her father appears outside the paper house and Mark is telling her that, that it's dangerous and she shouldn't go to him but Anna runs out to meet him and he's calling her name but then and he shouts out and he's like Anna is that you I'm blind and and she realizes that it, it's not her actual father but a kind of wrong scribbled over murderous version and he's brandishing a hammer um <laughs> um and um yes there's there's no hammers in the original book no no one brandishes a hammer um and um so yeah Anna, Anna blocks the door from him but he smashes his way through the window um and then destroys Mark's bike that they were going to escape on <laughs> and um the next time Anna wakes up or next time she goes to sleep um she's in the house in a room filled with candles um, I love that bit <laughs> yeah, which is just a really amazing looking scene. Um and then they blow out and her and her sort of the the not father looms up and says, Daddy's here um, <laughs> yeah. um And that's also uh, where the evil radio is. Yeah, so do you want to do you want to explain about the radio a bit? Well, in the book in the book, Marianne draws a radio um, in another room, to the room where Mark is, um, because she thinks it will keep, keep him entertained. But then it, um, when they turn it on, it well, we haven't talked about them yet, so mm. um, well, the, well, the bit. But anyway, it's it's a sinister radio. Um, in the film, there's also a radio, um, although it. Like a lot of the things that she's drawn that appear in the house, it doesn't look hugely like a radio. Yeah, that's um, one of the differences between the books and the film. In the books, despite her uh, not in how does ineptitude at drawing, <laughs> <laughs> but, but despite the fact you know she's just a kid and you know yeah. she's she's no child prodigy, as as the beginning of the book yeah. says. Um, yeah, it's clear that none of this is happening because of her skill yeah superb skill, but, but, yeah. but the objects turn out fairly realistically like you know as she intends them whereas in the film you get the sense that the objects are misproportioned because she's drawn them misproportioned yeah you got a lot of really long eggs yeah a lot of long eggs <laughs> yeah, pointy eggs <laughs> um, yeah which leads to sort of very strange sets of yeah the room filled with these bizarre bizarrely proportioned objects yeah. yeah, which is one of the best things about the film, I think. That, yeah, the set design. Yeah, yeah, and the general weirdness of the house and the things in it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Um, but anyway, this radio is drawn far bigger than a regular radio and kind of embedded into the wall. Yeah, it's embedded in the wall and it lights up, so it kind of looks like a big face. Um, mm. And, yeah, it, she runs out of the room, runs downstairs and hides under the stairs where she finds Mark. Um and the father is descending the stairs. Like Nosferatu or something. Yeah, he's, oh, in his, um, he's... He's counting. Yeah, he's doing the hide-and-seek thing, which is a throwback to the very beginning of the film when she plays hide-and-seek and faints in a railway tunnel, um, as as you do. Um, <laughs> um, but the radio is is 
Well, well, the the radio is helping the uh, not father uh, and and blares out. They're under the stairs. They're under the stairs. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not a helpful robot friend like TikTok. No. <laughs> no, a malevolent bad robot friend. Yeah, although it does look quite friendly. It does it? look. Yeah, it has yes. a nice face. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the not fathers and if. Creeping down the stairs, and and Mark's urging Anna to destroy just the part of the drawing with her father in it. But yeah, she's she's asleep, so she's kind of her sleeping self is reaching for this drawing, and she has a candle next to her bed, and she manages <laughs> just... to set it on fire. <laughs> um, so kind of it, it reminded me a bit. I think because we were talking about it, but it reminded me a bit of um, of Nightmare. That whole sequence with her trying to do something <laughs> oh, yeah, in the dream without world without being able to see in the real world. <laughs> oh, maybe so really nervous that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this doesn't seem to destroy everything, but just sort of pockets of flame spring up and and. Well, like, it kind of creates a huge chasm. Yeah, yeah. where the rip is presumably. Yeah. Oh, okay, Although it's yeah. not in the right on the right place in the house. To yeah. correspond to the rip. Wow, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a bit looser. So her, 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 I've written in my notes, "Horror, Daddy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Okay, Horror, Daddy finds her <laughs> and um, bundles, her, bundles her out of the house um, and kind of pins her to the ground. He starts hitting her in the chest like hard again and again until Mark manages to to sort of hit him in the neck with the claw of the hammer and throw him into a pit of flames, um, which is pretty intense. Too, yeah. <laughs> too, too rich for your blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I did wonder if, um, I think they missed a trick, uh, perhaps, not cross-cutting to her in the real world. I thought she was going to ha- have a defibrillator starting her heart up. I mean... Because it, the pumping on her chest reminded me a lot of... Well, you that know, is what... Turns out that's what had happened mm. to her, because, right? Oh, is that definitely... Yeah, because when she's in hospital and the doctor comes and talks to her again and she says, oh, my ribs really hurt, and she's like, that's because you were... Um, yeah, the, the paramedic had to okay. like, do that. Um, so it seems like you meant to infer that's what was okay, happening. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't see any of it. And it's not clear what's happened, medically speaking, but then... Yes, because yeah. it kind of it kind of seems like is it part of her illness or is it because she set her bed on fire? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you don't know. Yeah, but um, this is what we were saying about the kind of dream logic of the film, almost. Uh, if you if you want yeah. to be charitable, I, I'd like to call it dream logic. That <laughs> yeah, no, it seems fair enough. I think that's something the film is tr- is trying to do. Yeah. Um, so sort of one of the main differences between Marianne Dreams and Paper House is that Paper House introduces this whole thread with the father and the sort of the storyline about Anna's family Mm. Um, yeah whereas um, her parents are are fairly irrelevant to um, to Marianne Dreams 
her mum just brings her things and stuff. But, I mean, her, yeah. the father is, in, I would say, almost notably absent in Marianne Dreams. He's yeah. mentioned maybe twice, but yeah. um, very much isn't present, interestingly. So I did find maybe the film then reflects that by having the father not present in as much as the the real father's been away uh, for his work. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, sort of Anna's mother is sort of quite frazzled and her father's away for long stretches of work. And um, Anna, compared to Marianne, is, is a much more rebellious kid. Um, like, Marianne is, like, in bed for sort of weeks at a time, convalescing, whereas Anna doesn't seem to spend more than a few minutes in bed um, before she's up, like, wandering around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, sort of, Anna sort of keeps mentioning her father and uh, she wants to see him, but we also find out that in the past he's been drunk and the sort of implication is that he's been threatening or Anna at least says, I don't like him when he's drunk or something. Yeah, it's like yeah it's not... It's sort of like, you know, uh, Jack Torrance and The Shining kind of thing. Like the idea that, yeah, that, that this father has been perhaps violent or physically abusive. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's, we don't really know, but there's the kind of, there's that edge to it. And then that sort of comes in with the, with the sinister father in the dream. Um and then afterwards, when she wakes up in uh, in hospital, her real father's there, but uh, she's understandably distant with him <laughs> for yeah. a while, which I think is fair. <laughs> um, but then he's actually... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it definitely felt like from that point onwards, at least, um, the film didn't seem to be positioning the father, the real father, as as being threatening no um, which I feel I'm like, slightly surprised by yeah I think they really like I don't know maybe wanted to to rehabilitate your image of him after yeah the, the horrifying dream <laughs> dream father sequence um because yeah he's he's seems pretty decent but you're in a similar position as a viewer to Anna, I think. I mean, I certainly, you don't trust him, even though he seems kind of decent, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you, you've had these quite disturbing scenes in the paper house, I think, and the same actor, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he definitely, he, I mean, he did seem threatening because you've seen him be doing all of these things. He just did, um, it then seemed like the film, yeah, there's, Said, just trying to rehabilitate him um, and sort of positioning him as being like quite nice and caring about her. I couldn't like I don't know, it just seemed like an odd choice because it seemed like it was moving from making the film about you know, her feelings about a genuinely threatening father to I don't know, like, and then it, it seems then, to veer away from that a bit. It perhaps then becomes more about abandonment anxiety. Yeah. I mean, and more about her frustrations at his absence than anything that, you know, any violence mm. when he was trying. I don't know. I know what you mean. It does feel like an odd choice. And it definitely then 
put this rehabilitation of the father and a kind of restoration of the father-daughter relationship to the forefront of the narrative. Yeah. Mm. Um, So the threat, as we've mentioned in Marianne Dreams, is completely different. Um, It's these sort of bizarre seeing stones that Marianne has drawn in the garden. Um, So... Quite soon after, after she's drawn them, like um, the next sort of the next time she's in the house, the 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 windows have sort of scribbled over bars, like she's drawn, and um, and uh, she hears from Mark about them in in all caps um, for the first time. I, I've got I've got this bit. Um, I I made a note of the page. So do you want me to read out? Oh this yeah, bit? please. Okay. Um, but who are they? Well, they look like... You look yourself. Look between the bars, only don't let them see you. Outside the fence. You can see between the posts. Be careful. Marianne approached the window, keeping well to one side, and peered out between the bars. Beyond the little garden was the fence of high, uneven posts. Beyond the posts, she could see the outlines of squat figures standing round the garden like sentinels. She jumped back. Mark! People! Outside! Look again, Mark said. Marianne peered out, more cautiously than ever. The people stood in strangely stiff, unyielding positions. She looked fixedly at one, to see him shift his position, give some indication that he was alive. But he stayed absolutely still. So did the others. Oh! she cried in relief. They're not live people. They're only stones. Be quiet! Mark hissed at her. I told you, I don't know if they can hear as well as see. See? How can stones see? Look! Don't talk, look! Marianne looked again. It was difficult to see much of any one of the stones because of the bars and the fence hindering her view. But as she concentrated on one of the humped squat figures with all of her attention, she saw suddenly a movement. A dark oval patch which she had taken to be a hole, disappeared as a pale eyelid dropped slowly for a moment and then was raised again. And in the dark oval, the ball of an eye swiveled slowly towards the house and remained there, staring with a fixed, unwinking gaze straight, it appeared, at Marianne herself. She shrank away from the window and turned to Mark. One of them looked right at me, she said. I can never tell whether they really see me or just... Pretend to, Mark said in a low voice. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Um, so, so, so you were you were particularly keen on them. I love them as well. <laughs> so, 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 why why do you like them so much? Just the the object animism, or yeah, I mean, I like standing stones in general. Um, as villains, I think they're pretty good in this. Yeah. <laughs> Standing yeah. stones with a single cyclopean eye is yeah, <laughs> a particularly good move. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, how they're established as obviously dangerous, but we don't really see how they would kill anyone. But no. it would probably be horrible. So there's a bit later on where they mangle the bicycle. Yeah. And we don't know how they mangle the bicycle. Well, I think at that point it's fairly clear that they are... Well, because there's a sound of sort of this stony stamping. 
Um, so do you think they sort of uproot themselves and jump <laughs> forward? At that point, it seems like they're hopping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I've got it. It says um, when um, Marianne and Mark are escaping, um, they they hear it's the sound of steps behind, plodding slow, like the pounding of a giant pestle in a huge mortar, but yeah. getting louder and nearer. <laughs> so did you think they're at danger of being stomped to death i mean i didn't until that part of the book because up until then they move but not when you don't see them move um there's just suddenly more of them and they're closer to the house kind of like the stone angels in doctor who yeah yeah which is obviously the most horrifying thing that anybody's ever invented Um, (laughs) so yeah um, yeah, I had something of that about it. Um. But is 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 the horror increased by imagining them like hopping along? I think if they'd done that to start with, then it wouldn't have been scary. But I think by this, but because that's pretty late on, is when yeah. they're they're outside the house and they're making their escape to to the lighthouse. Um, at, at that point, I, I felt like I was invested enough in in mm. the thing for it, for that to be sinister. Yeah. And, and in the book, of course, um, we hear their thoughts to some degree, or their their basic sensory yeah, impressions through, through the radio. Yeah, it, yeah, through the radio. Which, for some reason, the room that the radio's in is is kind of more sinister than the rest of the house. Um, so that's the candlelit room in the film. Uh, yeah, so because she only draws the radio in it, and the sort of the radio kind of goes wrong, and then she doesn't draw anything else because she doesn't think it will come out right if she puts it in that room. Yeah, she's very scared of going in there. Mm. But she's 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 sort of made this drawn this radio, and it it doesn't pick up anything, any music or anything. It just picks up the sound of the grass outside, and then the kind of thoughts of them um which i really like sorry carry on i really like the grass the grass is genuinely described as being malign Um, (laughs) right in from the beginning when she's um finds herself out in the grass um and also later when she has to hide in the grass um uh, during the the escape from the house, um, there's definitely a feeling that the grass is watching and is mm. not on their side, the the children's side, not their side. Which is the kind of thing I can. I know you, when you were young, you're quite a fan of Alan Gardner. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the kind. Well, of... more when I was an adult. <laughs> when I was when I was young, I was too scared of. <laughs> um, uh, so, certainly the owl service anyway but, but I mean I, I've only read The Weird Stone yeah um, but but he's definitely got a good sense of the living world yeah or um, the world is kind of charged with animistic energy yeah yeah and I feel, I feel like this I mean it is a dream world but it, it definitely had a lot of that there's definitely a feeling of the world well, there's a feeling right from the start that there's something wrong outside in the world. Um, mm. And, yeah, and it, part of it seems to be in the grass and everything like that. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that was a tangent. That's good. We like tangents. Um, 
That was very mild as tangents go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 I've yet to say that the house, it's made of paper. I, I know. I, I can't believe we used that joke in a, in a previous that I know, I know. I thought that this joke is kicked the myself. literally house made of paper. Yeah. Yeah, we, we preempted it. <laughs> Foreshadowed. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, on 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 the note, of should we have our textures of the week? Oh yes. Okay. Should I rattle? Texture of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting stranger each time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to buy some special objects. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yes, I. I have two textures of the week. They're both from the same scene in the film. But oh, they're yeah. both great. Um, <laughs> so my first one is uh, the, the sort of the huge industrial looking ice cream machine. Oh, yeah. that was mine. That was my texture of the week too. <laughs> yeah, that Anna draws for herself. And then this kind of bizarre sludge of ice cream comes out, like just splurges onto the... It's so gross. It's oh, really it's horrid. And it's this kind of NHS green. Yeah. <laughs> NHS green <laughs> ice <exactly>. cream. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty outstanding. And um, she she sort of says to herself, Oh, I forgot to draw some cones. Uh, as <laughs> as though a cone would make it all better. <laughs> as if it were redeemable with a cone. <laughs> Yeah, it's thoroughly irredeemable ice cream. <laughs> Original sin ice cream. <laughs> um, did you have another one, or have I just stolen your one? Well, well that, that was the main one. I mean, I was also mm. going to say that generally the kind of texture of the walls of the house. Especially oh, yeah. a- after they... Well, so the, in the film, the drawing gets thrown away and they have to search through all of the um like all of the blocks rubbish to uh, try yeah. and find it as assisted by some incredibly accommodating dustbin <laughs> yeah i think you know really quite decent of them frankly yeah they, i mean they mock them a bit to start with but i mean it's, it's still <laughs> far beyond <laughs> far beyond the call of duty frankly yeah. <laughs> anyway. um yeah. so after that the house is very um, crumpled and grimy and oh. smeared with yeah, dirt. It really does have the texture of like something that's been in the bottom of a bin bag. Mm. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The walls just look really kind of, uh, you know, like they've, they've got, I don't know, like mildew or, or what, but it just looks like they're kind of rotten and slimy yeah. and stinky. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so, yeah. so what what was your other texture um, of the, one... the week? <laughs> um, so Anna, in the same time that she creates this horrendous ice cream machine, um, she tries to get Mark walking um, by drawing him standing up on the stairs. Um, but instead she just manages to create like a bizarre pair of plaster cast legs just yeah. standing on the staircase <laughs> that then kind of crumble in front of her. Yeah. yeah, that was my favourite bit of the film. I think that was the point when the film, like, I got on board with the film properly. Yeah. 
<laughs> when she opens the door, on the, on the stairs, there's just this pair of plaster legs. <laughs> just looks really, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and a lot more is made in the book of of Mark recovering or becoming mm. stronger and becoming able to walk and ride a bike and this is a process that takes quite a long time um faster than it would in the real world but still um quite a, a long while of dreams and Marianne providing more sort of equipment and items that Mark can use to become stronger um I thought I, I, looking up the book, I found that um, Catherine Storr was, I think, a doctor for yeah. quite a while before before she started writing books. So, but anyway, um, I, I I like the fact she mentioned that you know obviously Marianne's doing things for Mark, like to try to speed his recovery. Um, I like so this is just after um, she's been angry at Mark. Um, so, you know, she scribbled out on him. And luckily, she doesn't do it with the pencil, so she doesn't kill him, thank heavens. Um, or erase his face or whatever. Yeah. Or create Fiona. Or create Fiona, <laughs> the possibly friendly giantess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, she decides to, to make a, a girl to be friends with because she's angry at Mark, but um, she draws her... To totally the wrong scale, so she's worried for a while that she's created a a friendly giant of a girl in riding boots, but she didn't. <laughs> yeah, she just definitely doesn't seem sure that she's going to be friendly um, <laughs> after the initial. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, so so she she's realised that if she can make bad things happen, she can also make good things happen. Uh, so she sort of thinks to herself. I'll draw a picture of Mark feeling quite well again. And he suppose then I'll have to dream about him again. I don't want to. I don't see why I should have to dream about him. Why can't he get well without me having to see him? Perhaps I could draw him looking quite well, but not in that house, which is where I always seem to get to. And then he probably wouldn't believe I'd done anything about it. He'd think it all just happened, and what I'd done didn't make any difference at all. She stopped to consider this. Although... She definitely didn't want Mark to die, particularly didn't want to feel that his death was in any way connected with what she did or didn't do. She also didn't want Mark alive and cocky and sneering in her dreams, telling her that she was no use and hadn't any influence on what happened to him. Bother, said Marianne to herself. I suppose I'll have to draw him getting well, even if he doesn't believe it's anything to do with me when he is quite better. But I wish I could prove it somehow. Only, I'll have to get him well first. I can't just let him get worse and die, even if he is beastly when he's well again. <laughs> <laughs> I like how genuinely conflicted she is. She's like, well, I guess I can't kill him. Yeah. God, I really don't like him. <laughs> I remember, Ali, you laughed in the film when you first saw how she drew Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She gives him a very crotchety, unimpressed-looking expression. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whereas, of course, in the film, they sort of meet and basically, you know, immediately fall in love, pretty much. 
Yeah, so in, in the book, it's a pretty strained relationship for most of the book. You know, yeah. it's either like by the end they're friends, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, they are yeah. friends, but they also argue a lot. Yeah. Like, I think that's... Whereas in, in the film, it's only really the first encounter where, you know, there's some kind of yeah, argument. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, there is that curious... I don't really want to call it that, I guess, a romantic subplot built into the film, which is very obvious. They're only little. Like, I think <laughs> she's only like 11 or something. It's quite strange. Yeah. It's pretty awkward. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think my last note is just cringe, cringe, cringe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it reminded yeah. me of rewatching Big with my sister, uh, the Tom Hanks film. Uh, uh, I've never watched it. Oh, uh, Tom Hanks is the, yeah. yeah young and in the body of a and there's a whole sort of relationship scene and me and my sister were like oh ho, ho, wouldn't it be awful if something actually romantic happened uh, and and it does and we were both oh. quite horrified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the night as I've said before in this podcast, the 1980s seemed like it was just this. Special decade, um, but certainly when it came from making films, you've got no idea, you know, like, who was this made? I mean, I like Dreamhouse, but who was it made for? <laughs> like, you know, it's, so it's a children's book, as we said, but we haven't mentioned yet that the film is, um, at least by the BBFC, 15 rated. Oh, is it? I was trying to work out what its rating was. Um, yeah, yeah, in my DVD, it's uh, 15. Ah, I, I mean, mean that does seem. I high. feel validated now because it was it scared me, but I yeah. would, I don't know if I'd put it at fifteen. But yeah, <laughs> no, I mean it does have quite a lot of serious threat from the yeah the non father or whatever yeah. the wrong father. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean I think it's definitely a like a proper like quintessential children's horror theme like in the the kind of Coraline vein of something familiar becoming unfamiliar and monstrous yeah um, but it is yeah it is you don't really know who it's aimed for um it's not a cosy film that's for sure <laughs> no. no and it doesn't really I mean it, actually the book had more of a sense of being like kind of an adventure there's the threat and the, this feeling that they're trapped in the house and the stones are around watching them, but it, there's also the solving the problem of how to, like, what to draw um, that's going to enable them to escape and they come up with the idea of bicycles um, mm. and and all of this, and then they make their escape and, and, it, and you know, it's... Uh, they get to the sea. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense as something you can imagine a child enjoying. Um, mm. I think that's... I find it harder to imagine a ch child enjoying the film, and obviously was fifteen. Yeah, rated then. Yeah, but then I, I can't. I'm out. I mean, I, I say I'm fond of the film, but you know, I can't imagine many groups of adults going to the cinema and enjoying <laughs> the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that liked it. Who oh did? yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He did. um he he was pretty keen. Um, I read a review. He compares it to the Seventh Seal. Adam Editor Note At this point in the recording, Ali and myself laugh in such a way that can only be described as hysterical and uproarious. 
you are advised to turn your volume down. Now. <laughs> On what grounds? <laughs> um, the strange symbolic imagery? I don't know. Um, you'd have to ask. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, now I'm going to try to make Bergman connections. Yeah. No, I don't really. It has cliffs, <laughs> I think. Maybe, maybe that's what. I mean, there's Did... chess in the book. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really play chess. No, and not against death. <laughs> <laughs> On the thing. <laughs> um, there was a beach. There was a beach. Um, it, made, it did remind me um, reading the book how much better board games have gotten I felt sorry for them they're like oh we've got chess oh we'll, we'll, we'll draw Monopoly we can play two games of Monopoly in a row oh god two games of Monopoly in a row do they, do they play Monopoly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. I felt sorry yeah, they would have been cross with each other I was, yeah I was like oh they, they have you know there's no settlers of Catan for them to play is there no <laughs> they, don't, they don't even have Kaplunk the Kaplunk would probably be quite hard to draw. I can imagine if you drew Kaplunk, then you would be at risk of that turning into a horrible monster in the paper mm. world. Yeah. Uh, there's some danger in the book, which you don't see in the film, when they come up with the idea of drawing a helicopter, that the, the helicopters will turn out as sort of horrible winged insect monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, which kind of brings us to the, the end, or... The, the differing ends of the book. Yeah. Um, both of them, the, the the lighthouse has an important role in their escape. Um, in the book, uh, they find out through this sort of strange radio that uh, they are intolerant to the light because uh, every time the beam of the lighthouse sweeps round, um, they hear them whispering, not the light, not the light, and um, they the... Um, the stones close their eyes for a few moments so that Marianne and Mark can sneak out the house. Um, in um, and in Paper House, they escape the threat of the father and make it to the lighthouse. Um, but then, the lighthouse—they sort of feel that the lighthouse is only a a kind of resting place, not the final destination. Um, where was I going with this? Helicopters. Well, just the difference between the two ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we I mean, I guess, want to elaborate? Yeah. I guess it's um, pretty significant that in the book, by this point, Mark is um, yeah recovering um, yeah. in the real world. Uh, and in the dream world, he's pretty much fine now in the dream world. Um, mm. Whereas that's not what happens in the film. Well, in the, in the film, he has muscular dystrophy. Yeah. Um, so we kind of know, as adult viewers from the start, that he he's probably going to die. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, don't a, know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, mu- muscular yeah. dystrophy is uh, degenerative and yeah. pretty devastating. Um, but yeah. So, and that's what happens. Um. Yes, we're, we're we're informed, uh, helpfully from. Uh, Anna's father in in a move that won't endear him any further to his daughter that her friend Mark has died. Yeah. 
Yes, it's it's not the best way to break the news. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, didn't you have a friend? And she's like, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. were you very close? The dead one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's quite a lot of, like, um, Anna's parents in the film being oddly blunt. Like, yeah. when, when, uh, when Anna's mum talks about her drawings. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, it's like, what's that? It's a radio. It's too big. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's child has drawn a radio. It's unrecognisably large. It's a shite. Get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And then she tries to save it by going, no, no, it's good, it's good. But yeah. Oh, it's no, I, like it. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> um. But yeah, so, so 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 in the film, Mark is dead, but in the um, in the book, he's not. Uh, and in the film, Anna and her parents go on holiday to a kind of beach, you know, coastal resort, and Anna sees a lighthouse yeah. in the distance, which is seemingly the lighthouse from the dream world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It pretty much seems to be actually the lighthouse, but it's hard to tell what's real, what's not at this point yeah. in the film. And so she runs away, basically, from the holiday home and gets to the lighthouse and she finds this note from Mark uh, hidden under a rock. Um, can you remember what the note says? It's the same as what's in the book. It, oh. so, so it's actually... because they've all, So she knows he's going to die... Um, and so she goes into the dream and meets him at the lighthouse and she draws the, she draws a pencil, um, so he can draw things now in the dream world as well and makes the lighthouse all nice. And he's going to go off and draw the helicopter, but he wants to do it on his own because he doesn't like people to watch him drawing. Um, and that's the last time she sees him. And then after that, she finds out he's dead. Um... Mm. So, the note is very confusing, kind of matching up the two narratives. Yeah, we're having a little bit of trouble, but um, converge into the same note existing um, in both versions. Um, But But in the book, Marianne finds it in the dream world. Yeah, and in the film, Anna. So, do you want to read the note? Hmm. Since it's here. So the note says, the helicopter has been hovering around all day. I don't want to go till you come, but as they seem to be waiting for me, I think perhaps I'd better. Don't worry, I will make them come back and fetch you as soon as I can. Won't it be terrific to get to the sea at last? Thanks awfully for the pencil, it seems to have done the trick. Mark. It is slightly different in the film. The gist is the same, that he's gone off in the helicopter, but that he will come back and get her. Mm. Um... And then an odd thing happens in the film that Mark's voice in the imaginary voiceover then morphs into the voice of Anna's mother. Yeah. Oh. Um, and a helicopter appears. Yeah, and it's possibly a rescue helicopter. So as I said, Anna's run away from the holiday hotel. And this helicopter is of dangling a rope ladder a ladder that's not long enough so there's a whole strange business 
in the the book and the film about their inability to draw a long ladder. Did you notice this, Ray? <laughs> yeah, I I did I did wonder about that because they're like, oh, we could get down to the beach by drawing a ladder, and they're like, oh no, you couldn't possibly draw a ladder that long. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. Why? It can't be done. <laughs> Um, to be fair, I okay. probably, yeah. if it was just a ladder that was propped up against a cliff, that probably <laughs> would be quite dangerous. Uh, yeah, yeah. To climb down. But, but, yeah. but, but that's no, not the that, issue. That's, yeah, the length isn't the issue. <laughs> the inability to draw a long ladder. <laughs> yeah. um, but, so Anna is sort of teetering on the edge of this cliff, trying to grab the um, the helicopter's ladder. And sort of Mark's voice is saying step back from the edge it's dangerous and you do think for a moment that the film is going to end with both of them dead yeah um i totally thought that's where it was going yeah (laughs) uh but it doesn't her mum her mum runs up and 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 catches her or before she takes her back from the edge of the cliff um and anna is satisfied by I don't know, seeing the helicopter that... Yeah. That her, her grief is resolved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's but... happily reunited with her father. Hmm. I mean, I definitely <laughs> felt like the helicopter probably, and the note, probably weren't real in... I felt like the, the, the film was implying that this was all um, a hallucination. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but not that she was actually dead, I don't think. I well, felt the, like if it would want you to think she was dead, they would have just done it. Although, interestingly, in my copy of Marianne Dreams, uh, right at the start, um, in the little author bio of Catherine Storr, uh, it says she loved writing for children because they understand that fantasy and reality are not opposites, but different ways of looking at the same thing. Hmm. I wonder if that's something that the book has and understands that the film doesn't perhaps yeah Mm. i think i mean as i say i I think in the book the dream world is real Mm. like like there's a slight yeah ontologically real there's a slight um feeling that actually at the end of it it could all have just been um just that she dreams about the things that she's drawn um but it definitely felt like the internal logic of the book is that the dreams are real. Um, and th- as I said at the start, um, the film doesn't convey that feeling and it's more, it seems more like everything that happens is in her head. Yeah, um, agreed. And and towards the end, these two worlds kind of converge in the, into this, Yeah. Which I think is what makes the film a very odd adaptation of the book, because it's coming from a very different perspective, almost. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, I, I think I like the book and the film, but I don't know if the film works as a successful adaptation of the book. I think it works oh, no. on its own merits. but I think Catherine Storr did not like it as well. Um, I think oh, have you read? said that on Wikipedia. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um it's it definitely feels like its own thing. Um, it's interesting. It's good. I'm glad. I, I like them both. Um, I think they they both work really well um, for what they are. But they're not 
they're not the same thing at all. No. <laughs> I think actually some of the strongest elements of the film are the parts that are kind of um, about the the fantasy. Um, it like the, the visual elements of um, these dreamlike things that have been shoved together and, and and are kind of the wrong shapes and 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 stuff which you don't get in the book. It doesn't the, mm. um, because the things in the book are real and they are the right shapes for the objects that have been drawn. Yeah, agreed. The film's more phantasmagorical yeah. than the book. And that's what makes it visually interesting a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, any finishing thoughts apart from eggs used for comedy purposes? <laughs> um, the set of the outside of the paper house is very good. It's like in the film, sort of from when you first see it, it's very convincingly flat and eerie looking. Um, yes, yeah. it looks like how I imagined the house in the third policeman to look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I like the way it tapers upwards like her drawing does as well. Yeah. Mm. One uh, of the things I liked in the book um, was how it talks about well, um, kind of Marianne's feelings about being ill. Um, mm. So quite a lot of it is about her frustration at not being able to get out of bed and sort of her being grumpy um, <laughs> and upset um, about having to spend like this time in bed and how she feels about um, the people around her and, and things like that. I thought that was... I think it, I get, enjoyed that it gets across what being ill as a child... Yeah. I mean, I, I was often quite... I had a lot of sort of infections, like chest and ear infections as a young kid. Yeah. Um, so I definitely remember, you know, long days and weeks spent in bed and feeling stuffy and frustrated, but also kind of out of it and woozy. Yeah. I think it conveys those those feelings pretty well. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so I think all of us would recommend book and film but to different different, <laughs> different age audiences. groups different audiences yeah. <laughs> well yeah. i definitely recommend the book I, i'm not sh- i liked elements of the film um but i didn't feel like it really hung together i think i think but, I, I think i, I, I like films okay. like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of like absolute children's horror i think the film is um pretty great um and i'm glad i'm glad we looked at both because um i i did really love them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i do um, so. but yeah I, I i i enjoyed them both and was legitimately scared so hooray a success, success. for our episode <laughs> um. oh um do you have a sign off adam uh I don't set your dad on fire I don't know um, yeah. it's made of paper can't that be our sign off don't set your dad on fire spooky kids it's made of paper it's made of paper there, there you go that, that's a totally legitimate sign off um, cool so you can find us on twitter at still scared pod and email us at stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com um, our intro music's by Maki Yamazaki our outro music's by Jake Kelly and 
uh, artworks by Letty Wilson. Um, is there anywhere online people should find you, Ali? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. That's good then. Um, I want to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Okay. Bye. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>